God is good. Oh, isn't it good to know that we have a God who cares, who is here, and who loves His children? Have you noticed that it seems like everything around us is on a health kick? Have you noticed how many things now are considered pure? You go into the store and you look around and you see all kinds of things that are pure. I actually saw there is pure water. I kind of wondered what everybody else was selling if only one brand is selling pure water. I saw pure life water, whatever that would mean. But there's pure water. Pure in everything. I actually saw one item. It was called Pureology for women. It was a hair thing that they put in their hair. And it was so that they would have pure hair volume. What is that? Pure is in everything. There was even a, a, a child or an infant baby lotion. And it says that it was pure baby lotion. And when I looked at the ingredients, I had to chuckle because the first ingredient on there was aqua. Not water. Aqua. <laughs> but it was pure. Pure baby oil. But the one that got me, the one that really kind of made me laugh a little bit was, I don't know, some of you know these energy drinks? Rockstar energy drinks? Well, I don't think there's anything that is actually redeeming about a Rockstar energy drink, but they had one that was called Rockstar energy drink Pure Zero. Now, I didn't know what that meant. I just kind of took it as there's purely zero good with it. But, you know, probably no sure. But it was this idea of the, start adding the word pure to stuff, and that makes it better, that makes it healthy, that makes it right, that makes it something that we can do. And we've come to the place where we've actually kind of lost the purpose of the word pure. It's kind of like love, right? The word love has now just kind of become this phrase we say I love pizza you know I love that TV show I love that movie I love taking naps on Sunday you know we say we love these things pure is kind of the same thing we just start saying pure this pure that you know we have pure delight pure joy what does that even mean well we want to look at the word pure today in the sense because today's beatitude found in Matthew chapter 5 verse 8 Jesus says these words blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God and, and when we ask the question when we look at this passage blessed are the pure in heart what does this mean oftentimes the first answer that comes well those who are sinless blessed are those who are sinless well we can jump to that conclusion rather quickly, but I think we can take a deeper look into it and, and really need to start not with the word pure, but with the word heart. When we consider the word heart, what does it mean in this? Again, heart is a word that is commonly used, and it's one that's used a lot in Scripture as well. As a matter of fact, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, a passage that maybe you know quite well, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him, 
and he will make your path straight. And so we, we say this, trust the Lord with all your heart. Do it, Valentine's Day, there's probably cards that you've written to one another that have said, I love you with all of my heart. Well, what does it mean? I mean, we're not necessarily talking about the pumping organ in there. As a matter of fact, if that were what we were talking about, that would be the worst thing to love with. Because our brain is much bigger. We can think. We can do all of that. But with our heart, it's, it's not really that idea of the physical heart. I get it. So what are we talking about when we see this word heart? When we see blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the, you know, or, or when we talk about loving with all of our heart or learning to trust with all of our heart. What we're talking about is simply this. The inner person. We're talking about our emotions, our thinking, our will. It is the seat of who we are as a person. When we love or trust someone with all our heart, basically what we're saying is, I am all in. I, I am, there's nothing that I'm holding back. I give you every part of me. The heart is the foundation of who we are. We see this idea again in Proverbs 23, 7. And I actually like the New King James Version on this one. Because it says these words, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. So as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What goes into the heart, what basically is deep down inside of us, the symbolic core of who we are determines how we live. What's going on deep inside of us is what's going to eventually come out. As a matter of fact, Jesus a lot of times had run-ins with the Pharisees, these, the scribes and the, the Jewish leaders. And one time in Matthew chapter 9, he had healed the paralytic man. And he was standing there and, and the, the scribes were there and he says this to this. Knowing their thoughts, he said, why do you think evil in your hearts? Why do you think evil in your hearts? Now again, this isn't necessarily Jesus saying, man, you guys have, have a bad pumping organ in there. But what he's saying is, I can see into the will of who you are. I see into your inner person. I know what is going on inside of you. You, you put on this very nice look on the outside, but on the inside, even Jesus said, you're just full of dead man's bones. There's nothing in there. Nothing but evil. He says, this is the very center of who you are. So when we look at this, Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, we understand that he's cutting to the core of man. Blessed are the pure in heart. So what does Jesus mean when he says, pure of heart then? Well, if you look at James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, you see these words. Therefore submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. James refers here to purifying the hearts. And so, how does He do that? And actually, we can kind of see in here two areas in which purifying the heart takes place. What does it mean? Well, let's go to the one that we would probably say is the most common. 
moral holiness. Moral holiness. Dealing with sin in our lives. Jesus in Matthew chapter 15, verses 18 through 20, he says it this way, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Now again, if we take this into context, Jesus was eating with his disciples and they didn't wash their hands. And so the the Jewish leaders got all upset and they said, look, this is horrible. They didn't wash their hands. They are unclean. They're defiled. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. It's not what happens outside. It's what's going on inside. You see, Jesus understood something very important in that time. In the Old Testament and New Testament times, the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, the scribes, they had made all kinds of rules and regulations. Laws, they called them. And these laws had to do with purification and behavior, holiness. And so they would lay out all of these things and they would say, now if you're going to be clean, if you're going to be pure, you need to do this, 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 and this. And if you don't do these things, then you're unclean. And Jesus looks at him and he says, guys, that's not what makes a person clean at all. And Jesus understood that this practice of outward purity didn't change the heart at all. See, when the heart is not impacted, the eventual actions that come out represent what is going on in the heart. We can put on a pretty nice picture on the outside, but eventually the inside comes out. David in Psalm 51 verse 10 understood this, and this is why he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Other translations say, and renew a right spirit within me. David understood that when dealing with sin in the heart, there is no way that we can live with this outward appearance for very long of holiness. We can't live holy lives without pureness of heart. David understood in this moment that his sin brought sorrow to God. And so what he needed to do was have a clean heart. You know, it's interesting how a clean heart makes a huge impact, doesn't it? When we understand that there's sin that we're dealing with, life just seems to not go well. We struggle. We deal with things. But then when that heart is clean, as David goes before God, all of a sudden we're able to experience that that cleansing. So obviously when Jesus said, pure, blessed are the pure of heart, he's, he is talking about moral holiness. Do I deal with sin in my life? Am I getting rid of it? Am I not living in continuous sin? But there's a second part to this that we saw earlier. And that second part actually goes along with the word pure in the original language. And when you look at the original language, the the definition of this word pure is unmixed or single-minded. Unmixed or single-minded. And this is where basically the understanding is God doesn't compete with other things. In our lives, am I living with this single-minded attitude that it is all about God? Am I all in? 
for God or am I living kind of dealing with other things in this world? James, he talks about this. James chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, he says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think that Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he caused to dwell in us? Do you get what he's saying? He goes, look, this is what, it's not just about sin. A lot of times what we think is to be pure, what it means that we need to live without sin. Don't sin. Now, there's there's truth to that. Absolutely. We need to live lives void of sin. Now, we realize in our life that we live, that's hard, that's tough, it's impossible, but we strive for holiness. But there's also what he's saying here is it's easy for us to overlook what this also means. We can deal with sin, but are we living in such a way that God is the only thing? Are we living unmixed with the world? You know, I I enjoy different drinks. As you can see, I went healthy today. I love lattes. They're such good iced lattes. Taste really good, you know. Tastes great. Some of them. Soda is really good too. Not good for you, mind you. But it tastes really good. I love a good Pepsi every once in a while. Mm, that's good stuff. But you think about this. This is the idea. Imagine. That this is my spiritual life. You know what? We sang about God being so good, right? God is good, man. You know, God, I love being in your church, and it's just good. Oh, you, it's just wonderful to be in your presence. It's wonderful to sing those songs of worship. Oh, man, God, you're so good. But you know, sometimes it's even good to be involved in things that, you know, the world might have. You know, we just kind of go through. You know, I, I, I enjoy sports. Sports are a lot of fun. You know, you can't complain about a good, a good basketball game, good football game. You know, Packers, watching them on Sunday afternoon. Oh. oh, that tastes so good to do that. But, you know, sometimes what we try to do is this. We try to say, I think I can mix the two of them together. You know what, God? I know that 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 I should be spending time with you, but I just I just. But you know, man, my friends were, were they were going to go and do this this weekend, so you know, you understand, right, God? Well, hmm. oh, that does not taste good. Two things that are good. Two things that taste really good individually. Not bad. Understand that it's not bad to do some things, right? Understand that it's not bad to be hanging around with my friends. It's not bad to enjoy sports. It's not bad to do all of these things. But sometimes when these things mix, it turns out to not be a really good thing. Because all of a sudden what happens is the world creeps in. And before we know it, Something begins to taste bad. 
and it doesn't feel good. Jesus says in Matthew 22, verse 37, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. You know, I love this verse because it really points to this really important fact. To be single-minded, unmixed, means that I'm all in with God. There is no holding back. There's no God this, but this is also on the side. Or God, you understand. Friends, if you begin to say God understands, you might be mixing the drinks together. Do we get what he's saying here? Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who live morally holy lives. Blessed are those who are all in, that are unmixed with the world. It doesn't entice them away from me. The pure heart produces the external purity, not vice versa. You see, I can say the part of, well, I go to church and I, I love going to church and I love singing the songs. I love doing all those things. You know, I love going to small groups. But when the world begins to creep in and, and yes, when sin begins to creep in, all of a sudden we begin to see this mixing that occurs. I remember when we were working with youth, one of the things that we would often hear is we would be planning something to do something and, and youth would come up to us and they'd say, oh, Pastor, I can't do that. Why can't you do that? Well, because this, this, and they start listing off things and they would start saying that I can't do it because school is doing this or I can't do this because I, I have to do that or you know, one, you know, I can't do that because I have to go to football camp or different things like that. I, I can't serve Jesus because I have to. And I remember at one point in time we, we said, we kind of put it in a simple phrase. You will do what you want to do. We will all do what we want to do. It's not a position of can or can't. It is a position of what do I want to do. And Jesus is saying, blessed are the pure of heart, the unmixed, the ones who don't have those phrases that say I can't help God because of this. They're the ones that are saying, you know what, I can't help but work for God. I'm all in with God. I am doing this life to please God. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who are morally clean at heart. Blessed are those who are unmixed. And then we see the wonderful outcome of this. They will see God. This one intrigues me. This, this actually, this beatitude really gets to me because one of the things that we've seen in the past, you know, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, they will be filled. Blessed are those who, who do this because they will receive the kingdom. of. We see these other things, but here in this beatitude, he simply says, blessed are those for they will see God. And it got me to thinking, what does it mean to see God? And again, it breaks it down into two different ways that we see God. The first way that we see God is today in our lives. We can see Him actively engaging in our lives. The more that we live in the presence of God, the more that we see God move in our lives. It's just a common equation. It's like this idea of, of if I'm living unmixed, if I'm not allowing the world to come in, I'm focusing more on who God is, the one thing is I'm going to see God moving more in my life. 
Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. We read that a, a few minutes ago. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and what? He will make your path straight. He will direct your path. I think we often overlook that point, but do you see the importance of that? If we trust Him, if we are all in, if we are unmixed, if we are pure in heart, He has promised that He will actively engage in our process, in our life, in our path. We'll see Him move. Even the psalmist understood this in the 23rd Psalm. One of those beautiful psalms. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What does he do? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. There we see four things that God actually does, actively involved. He makes me lie down. He restores. He leads. He guides. All of these things that we see God doing as our shepherd understand that if the sheep decided, you know what, I'm going to do my own thing, what would the shepherd do? Nothing. If the sheep just decided to wander and live its own life, the shepherd wouldn't know where it was at. But when the shepherd is engaged in the life of the lamb or the sheep, and the sheep follow their shepherd, the sheep are all in, he is the one that guides them. He's the one that leads them. And they begin to see all of this happen in their lives. My mother-in-law used to have, a, have this phrase that she would tell us, are you looking for God finds? Are you looking for God finds? And in essence, what she was saying is, are you living in such a way that you're watching to see where God is at work in your life? God is always on the move. The question is not, is God on the move? The question is, am I seeing God on the move? And when we live pure at heart, we will see God move in our hearts today, in our lives today. We will see His impact all around us. But that's not the only exciting thing. Yes, we will see Him today. But the joy of being able to see Him face to face tomorrow. You know, to think this thought alone can get to be very overwhelming. You know, we talk about heaven and we, we can get all excited about heaven, you know, because, oh man, when we get to heaven, heaven is going to be awesome. It's going to be this great place, you know, no more pain, no more tears, no more suffering, no more all of the bad stuff that's out there. Everything is going to be great. The food is going to be amazing. The golf course, courses are going to be incredible and, and we're going to do great. And the curse is lifted. We, you know, we kind of have this thing, but then we kind of view almost God as this heavenly CEO that has no time. And we just simply breeze over this fact that heaven means that we will see our Savior face to face for all eternity. 1 John 3 verse 2 says these words, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. We shall see Him. You know, there's times, I don't know if you do this, but I sit there and I just think, I wonder what it will be like when we finally get to stand face to face with Jesus. 
And I find so many times that I don't, I don't take that moment because it is true that oftentimes we think, well, God is God. God has important things to do. He is, you know, the 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 creation CEO. And you know, when I get to heaven, it'll be like I'm going to get there, and He's going to say, hey, welcome, glad, go and enjoy, you know, enter into your rest, and we'll enter into our rest, and He's going to go back and He's going to sit on the throne. In the words of a song titled, What a Day That Will Be. It's an old song. Some of you know this one. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon His face, the One who saved me by His grace. When He takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. When He takes me by the hand. You know, when we think of what this is going to be like, it's just an incredible, incredible thought. My Savior, my Creator, will spend time with me. Look at the words of Jesus in John chapter 14. He says He's going to leave His disciples, He's going to die, He's going to go, but look at His words. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so... I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. The words of Jesus there are not, I'm going to build you a place so that you'll have a place to be in all eternity. It's not what he's saying. He's saying, look, I'm going ahead of you. I'm going to prepare a place. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you to be with me. And look at those last words. That where I am, you may be also. We will be with Him for all eternity. He will be with us in our presence. This is such an incredible thought. If I live the pure heart, the pure life, then all of a sudden the realization is that I will one day see Him face to face and we will walk throughout eternity together. We will talk with Him. You know, I can't wait to sit down and to hear Him tell the stories of the Bible. I've heard way too many voices tell these stories, but could you imagine hearing directly from the mouth of Jesus, this is what I did. We will see His face. Do you want to see Jesus' face tomorrow? It's a simple equation. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the morally pure, for they will experience God. Blessed are the unmixed, single-minded followers of Jesus, for they will be with God. Friends, where do you stand on this today? Are you trying to mix the drinks, the world, sin, and God? Let me ask it in another way. Do you want to see God move in your life today? Do you want to experience the presence of God? This is the place to start. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they will see God. I'm sure you have heard in the news a couple of weeks ago about what is being called the Asbury Revival. And I know that this comes with a lot of 
hesitancy from people. There's been all kinds of different things. I have read up on it a little bit. I checked into it. and uh, I mean, I have, I have opinions. Everybody has opinions. But when this thing started at Asbury College, the interesting thing was, it was there was no big name speaker. It was simply a guy who was there, and, and you'd be interested to know this, that the speaker of that day was a former pastor who now presently works with Envision, which is an arm of the Christian Missionary Alliance. He was the speaker that launched what they call the Asbury Revival. The other thing was, his message was not that great. <laughs> now, I don't want to rip on the guy. As a matter of fact, he himself thought he bombed. He texted his wife afterwards, and he was like, yeah, that was horrible kind of thing. He didn't think he did a good job. He didn't think, you listened to what he had to say and all this. He basically, his message was this, God loves you, experience God's love. Some of you haven't experienced his love in a way that God wants you, and all of this. So there was just a simple, simple message. There was no big name band. All it was, was a group of kids from the campus that were on the worship team that day. And it launched a movement that took two weeks plus. Now again, there are different opinions about this, whether or not it's actually a revival, whether it was true or whether it was fake. But let me simply say this. People see God move when they are looking to see God move. Can I say that again? People see God move when they're looking for God to move. Do I want to see God move? Then maybe I need to be looking. I think sometimes it's easy for us to just get into this routine. I'm sure even in Asbury that was the idea. that They had just been in a routine. They go to chapel. They sing their songs. They go to class. They go to chapel. They sing their songs. Go into this rotation of all of the things that they would do. But for some reason, with some individuals on that day, they wanted to see God move. And guess what? God moved. Why? Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the morally holy. Blessed are the unmixed, single-minded. Because God will move. Friends, this is a prayer of our heart. Do we need to see God do a revival here? I don't know. Do we need to see God move? Absolutely. And maybe it needs to start in our hearts. Blessed are the pure in heart. How is your heart today? The song that we're going to end this morning with is the song, O Come to the Altar. The Savior's arms are open wide. You know what, maybe this morning you're in that place where you're going, I really want to see God move. I need to see God move in my life. Let me put it this way. 
Whether it's the altar up front or it's the altar of your heart right where you sit, would you come to the altar today expecting to see God move? And you know what? You saw our elders just a moment ago. I know they would love to pray with you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, forgive us for the times that we simply go through life and we miss You in the process. You've called us to live holy, unmixed lives all in with You. May this be the morning that You move among us. Holy Spirit, would You do a work of heart in this room in the next moments. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Amen.